Welcome to Alex Anderson's Quilt Connection, dedicated to educate, inspire, and grow today's quilting community. Welcome to the Quilt Connection. I'm Alex Anderson, and this is episode number 61. Well, it has been a busy past nine months, and I'm not even with child. Stop that rumor. <laughs> no. No. Last September, I looked at my calendar, and I went, whoo, if I can just make it to May 15th. My schedule was jammed, packed. And this was even before I got that fateful call on January 1st at 12.01 in the morning from Ricky Timms wanting to know if I would host the quilt show with him. It just seemed that my calendar got away from myself, and when I looked at it, I would just freak out. So when I get into modes like this, I take it one week at a time, or maybe half a month at a time, and just hit hit the ball, hit the ball, hit the ball. Don't worry about the whole game. And I knew, again, if I could just make it to May 15th, everything would be great. Well, I have to say that the first half of May exemplified what the last nine months have been, and I just thought I'd share with you what have I been doing. I mean, I have not been sewing in my sewing room, I can tell you that right now. Anyways, the beginning of May was Quilt Market. And Quilt Market is not open for consumers. It's open for people who are in the business. So that's where you'll find fabric manufacturers, book publishers, pattern publishers, what have you. Everybody who's in the business selling their goods will go and get a booth at Quilt Market. And then people like your store owners will come and buy. Perhaps Quilt Market is one of my favorite venues every year. We do have a wonderful quilt show there that is like festival, but you don't have the crowds. And all in all, it's when I get to see lots of my friends that I don't get to see year-round. So this year, it was in Salt Lake City. In spring, it's in different venues. It might be in Minneapolis. Um, next year, it's going to be in Portland. Whereas every fall, it's in Houston, and it's always right before the quilt festival. So why was I at Quilt Market? Normally, I'm there for C&T Publishing with a book that might be coming out or P&B Textiles. This time, not only was I there for C&T Publishing, for P&B Textiles, for JWD Publishing, that's the pattern company that I'm with, Joan Wolfram's pattern company, but for the quilt show, we decided a couple months ago that it would be important that we have a booth there to explain to store owners what we're up to. The store owners, just like you, were very upset over Simply Quilts, and we wanted the store owners to know that we assessed the situation, looked at our options, and realized the internet was the way to go. Well, in fact, it was the only... <laughs> only way we could go. There wasn't exactly a network knocking on my door. So we got a booth and um, headed off to Quilt Market. Well, it was Justin, Ricky, and myself that were all planning to go. And then we realized John needs to be at Quilt Market. John 
had never met Ricky. So when you see the initials um, ARJJ, that's the name of the corporation that owns the quilt shows, it's Alex, Ricky, Justin, John. We had hoped that Justin and Ricky could come out here to California to meet John because we needed to have some corporate meetings. And then it was like, well, this is crazy. We're all going to be in Salt Lake. Have John come. And not only that, he'd never been to anything like this. So we had our four, first corporate meeting in Salt Lake City with all four parties there. <laughs> it was wonderful. So what's quilt market like? Well, we all arrived there on Wednesday afternoon. The convention center is open so you can set up your booth. Well, Justin was in charge of the booth and had ordered some furniture. Ricky had sewn some drapes and we had a flat screen that was being delivered because we thought it would be cool to play a loop in the background of the booth. Well, the furniture got delivered and it was just awful. It was just this yucky yucky office stuff. And so Justin and I said, we're out of here. And we headed over to Kmart. And so first we went to the furniture section and we were looking for some really clean lined chairs. And we, we saw some like furry pink and purple lounge chair, lounge chairs. And we go, no, Ricky, kill us if we came home with those. We ended up with four kind of wood director chairs that were quite nice, although one broke in the middle of market. Um, then we went over to the flower section, the fake flower section. And I thought, okay, I've got to be able to put something together that is, does not look like it came from Walmart. Nothing wrong with Walmart, but something that just was a little different. So I'm in there and I am just pillaging through the flowers. And, and so is Justin. I mean, if there had been a camera on us, it would have been hilarious. And I picked out this really ugly vase, but that was really hip and groovy at the same time. Like popular, kind of like an I dream of genie bottle in black and white, only about, oh, 20 inches tall. And this lady came up and I'm jamming in some flowers. I don't even know what they were. And I said, well, does this look okay? And she said, yeah, you're, you're doing okay. And I said, yeah, we're over at the convention center. She goes, oh, I'm here for quilt market too. So then she started putting together her floral arrangement. And with a little sprinkling of magic dust, we got our booth together, despite the odds that were stacked against us when the rented furniture was delivered. <laughs> So we went out to dinner Wednesday night, and it was just wonderful. Thursday, they do a thing called Schoolhouse. And Schoolhouse is a 15 or 25-minute presentation that you, or someone like me, will present my new book or my new fabric line, or in this case, the quilt show, to store owners and teachers that are there. And what we're doing at Schoolhouse is giving the store owner ideas on how to market whatever the product is. And it's a way for them to run around and see what's new and hot. Well, this Thursday, I had two schoolhouses with Ricky, of which he put together a wonderful PowerPoint. Thank you. And then I had one with C&T Publishing for my machine quilting book and P&B Textiles for my new collection called Cottage Rose. And then a pattern with Joan, um, it's Star Party, and it's a bunch of solid stars on a white background. Oh, it's so cute. Well, I'll put pictures on my website. And then I had to go to a sales meeting at P&B, which was at a hotel that was like about 10 miles away or whatever, so I had to get a cab for that. 
needless to say, you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off on Thursday, going to all these different venues and meetings. Now, these schoolhouses, there might be, well, there's several hundred of them going on at one time. And so when the store owner comes, she gets like a newspaper and she has to shop which schoolhouse she's going to. So she's busy from 11 in the morning till 6 in the afternoon viewing these things. And I have to say, one of the jobs I don't want at Quilts, Inc., that's who puts this on, is Marty Michelle's. Marty Michelle has to coordinate all these schoolhouses. And so she's got to make sure that, you know, Ricky and I are free at the same time for the quilt show. And then I don't, you know, bump over with PMB over to CNT. And well, you get the drift here. So we went out to dinner that night. And then Friday was the start of market. And market is really fun. I mean, I just love it in our booth because we really didn't have anything to sell. It was an educational purpose to be there to tell store owners why it's important that they get on board and why they get you on board. Um, our booth kind of became the hangout. And so it was a time where friends, when they were tired, could come over and sit down and just hang and talk. Well, Friday night, John flew in, and we were having a dinner with Martin Favre. We were thanking him, president of Bernina America, for being the production sponsor of the quilt show, and we were at a really, really nice steakhouse. Well, at 7.30, in comes John, and he could join us. And that was the first time Ricky and John met. So Saturday and Sunday was market, and we all took turns manning the booth, walking the floor, and all that good stuff. We were literally working from 7.15 in the morning, because we would have morning meetings, till 9.30 or 10 at night. And I, I, I can do anything. I'm a trooper. I can go without food. I can be in horrible situations. I might complain a little, but I can't do sleep deprivation. And we were having a meeting, I think it was Saturday night, and it was about 9.45, and I said, guys, if I don't go to bed, I'm going to start crying right now. <laughs> so, And then the killer is, you go to bed, and you can't sleep because your mind is spinning all over the place. And that's even if you take like one of those Tylenol PMs or something, you're just wound up. So on Sunday night, John was to fly home, but because of weather, he the plane got delayed till like about two in the morning or something crazy like that. That's when he would get home to Livermore. I said, spend the night. And he flew out first thing to go to work. Yes, he has a real job on Monday morning. Well, wait a minute. I have a real job too. Mine's just a little more creative. That kind of came out wrong. But I took off for Pennsylvania. Bernina has scheduled that I would be at Mr. Hoover's and Mr. Zimmerman's in Pennsylvania on Wednesday, Thursday. And rather than fly all the way to California, I decided to go back east and then hang out for a day. Well, originally, I was going to rent a car and hit um, the Amish country. Well, I've been there before, and so I was like, well, you know, that's good. I liked it. But then somebody said, if you've never been to Gettysburg, that's a must-do. So I took my rental car and I headed that away. And I have to say, I'm not really good at history. I'm getting better in my old age, but I really don't. Well, I'm, yeah, like I said, I'm getting better. But in school, U.S. history never really um, got to me. I was all about sewing and art. Can you imagine? <laughs> 
So anyways, when I got to Gettysburg, the headquarters or information booth was also a ranger station. And I go in, I found this really nice senior citizen lady in her ranger outfit. And I said, Joan is her name. And I said, I am a U.S. history dork, but my daughter is teaching eighth grade history. And guess what? They're starting next week, the Civil War. I need to get educated and understand what I'm seeing here as quickly as possible. So she said, what you're first going to do is you're going to go into the electric map. And then you're going to come back, and I'm going to take people on a graveyard tour. I'm going, okay, great. So the electric map map is like a stadium-type seating where in the middle, which would be like the basketball floor if you're in a basketball arena or court (laughs) arena. It shows how much I do sports. I do sports like I do history. Anyways, um, and it showed the battles over the three days with lights, and they could show you who came from what side, etc. <clears throat> and man, I'll tell you, I learned so much just by watching this. So I go out there, and Joan's about to go on the walking tour of the graveyard. Now, interestingly enough, Joan is an eighth grade history teacher who has retired and taken this position. She loves her work. She had to like try out to do this, like trying out for a play or a movie. She's so good. She brought the whole experience to life. And what I realized is that our country is so young. And you realize this happened, you know, in the what late mid to late 1800s. That is not that long ago. And I had no idea of the enormous bloodshed. I had no idea um of just how the whole thing fit together. I mean, it was just absolutely amazing. And what was so interesting is this is what, okay, this is what the quilter walked away with besides the things I've just shared with you. The battle was three days and they had a horrific job of burying the people. And you had the Northerners and you had the Southerners. And because the bodies would just like lay there and rot, literally, and or stuff had been stolen or lost or whatever, it often got down to their underwear where they determined what grave they put the body in. If you were a Northerner, you had wool underwear on. If you were a Southerner, you had cotton or linen Several of the graves are marked by name. Several are just numbers. And one of the things they encourage at Gettysburg is that if you think for some reason you might have a relative there, they will get you into the archives and you can search. It is an ongoing movement to get the people identified. It was an incredible day, one of which I will never, ever forget it. Oh, I want to mention that there's this place called the Dobbin House Tavern. It is. It was built, oh gosh, over 200 years ago. And during the time of the Underground Railroad, they hid slaves there. And in between two stories, I'm not sure if it was the second and third story or ground and second because it was all the way in the basement and up several layers, there was like a false flooring that the slaves hid in. 
And they kind of put together a reenactment of what the conditions were along with, I don't want to use the word dummies, but that's what I mean, like dummies in there that shows the size of a human being compared to the space. And it was very sobering. You know, I say that quilting skips generations, but in my daughter's classroom, they're doing the Underground Railroad, and she had the kids do paper quilt blocks that tell the story of how the slaves moved from place to place by the quilts that were hanging outside as their codes. Now, I know there's a lot of controversy about this particular subject matter by historians, so please don't write me. Just remember, it's an oral history that was handed down by slaves. So I drove back to the hotel that night, got a good night's rest, and the next day we took off to Hinkletown, Bernina. And it's near Lancaster, and I've been there before. Love, love, love these people, Mr. and Mrs. Zimmerman and their family. They're Mennonite people, and they're very, I would say, on the uh, if you take Mennonite, liberal, Mennonite, conservative, they're fairly conservative, and they do live a very simple life. They have their Bernina store in what was once a chicken coop. And over the years, they've added on, so there are all these rooms now. It's almost like a maze. And when you get to the last room, it's the boneyard of Bernina's. It's got machines like you have never seen. If you bring your Bernina in there, they can fix it because believe me, they've got the antique parts as well as the new parts too. And what's really sweet is that their children are involved in the uh, business. And I call their girls the secret weapon because they look at you with their big eyes and their smiley faces and they go, I can sell you a Bernina. I mean, they almost sold me a Bernina, you know, to ship back to California. It was hilarious. So at the Zimmerman's, we did not have the function there. I did two PowerPoints, which were kind of like a virtual trunk show. And I think we had like about 800 people or something like that. So the next day, we headed off to um, Mifflinburg to the Hoovers. Now, the Hoovers, that's about two hours away from the Zimmermans. They're related, I believe, by marriage. And again, the dealership is in what I would say would be the garage or an outbuilding from from their house. And in both cases, they are working farms. And so Mr. Zimmerman, who I, I don't know, is probably a little younger than me, but you know, about my age, came in off the tractor and he's, he's a, he's a, he's a farmer. He's a large man. And, um, his dog is a two pound chihuahua. (laughs) And and Daisy, that's her name, was lounging in the sun on the driveway. And, oh, I just scooped her up in my arms. And I got to see the store. And then Leon said, do you want to come over and see where we live? And I'm like, sure. So we pull in. Our house is super, super old, too, several hundred years old. And we went into the barn. And there was Esther May's pony cult. Oh, gosh. Four days old? And Leon let the pony out and it just went boing, 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 dancing all over the property. Its name is Dancer. And I got to pet Dancer. Well, Esther May has two ponies and a colt pony. And I said, are these like expensive? And he said, not particularly. And I said, how did you get into ponies? And she, he said, when Esther May was a little girl, they said, Esther May, you go sleep in your big girl bed and we'll get you a pony. And I said, a bicycle wouldn't have done. 
So then, then we did two presentations there. I think there were about, oh shoot, 600 people, 700, something like that. And I just have to say, I love these people. They, you know, I look at the hecticness of my life and how simple, but not really, it's hardworking, but it is a simplified lifestyle they have. And it really helps me get centered. And for that, I am extraordinarily grateful that these two events were the end of my nine-month terror of flying all over the world, literally. Well, almost over. A couple months ago, I was down in Los Angeles, and I went out to dinner with Joey and Shelly. Joey is my son, and Shelly is his fiance. Oh, I love Shelly. She is just the best. And when we were at dinner, Shelly said, would you like to come to my graduation? I have 10 tickets. Well, Shelly comes from a family of a million, and I was so profoundly just pleased that she would want John and myself to be there. And I said, Shelly, I've got to go home and look at my calendar. If I'm on the West Coast, Yes, but I couldn't remember if I was flying home from Pennsylvania on Friday or Saturday. Well, fortunately, it was Friday. So I flew down to Los Angeles and John met me there. And on Saturday, no, it was Friday night, the kids, we went out for sushi. It was the best sushi I've ever had on the face of the earth. I never even had sushi before. And Shelly said, you will dream about this sushi. She's right. I would practically drive down there tomorrow just to have that sushi again. Well, the next day was Shelly's graduation from Western Law University. Yes, my daughter-in-law-to-be is going to raise the mental ability of this family by 10 points. I am so proud of her. She and Joey have been together for many, 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 many years, and we have watched this young woman just hit the books, you know, nose to the grindstone, you know, rubber hits the road, getting through law school. And when they played the commencement song, I just started to weep. So proud of her. And so, Shelly, we love you. We love you. And I am so proud of you. But poor Shelly now, now it's the bar. And apparently that puts law school in the dust. So we went out to lunch afterwards with the High family and then John and I drove back down to Studio City. That's where we were staying. And we surprised John's mom for dinner. John's sister, Judy, drove Mima over. And we didn't say what, it, she didn't say what it was for, just a surprise. And did we ever surprise her? Went out and had a nice dinner. And then we came, drove home to Northern California on Sunday morning. And then Sunday afternoon, had Mother's Day with my mom and dad and celebrated Adair's 24th birthday. So as you can see, it was a whirlwind two weeks, just under. And you might think that I came home exhausted. But in fact, I came home rejuvenated. I got to see my family. I got to be inspired by the Mennonite. And I got to see what's new and happening at market. So today I sit here putting down this podcast in my sewing room. I have some really groovy blocks up on the wall that you wouldn't even begin to guess I have made. 
but it's with that cherry wood fabric, that hand dyed fabric. In fact, Ricky, I was talking to him on the phone and he goes, why aren't you using my hand dyes? I'm like, okay, I'm an idiot. I should have done that. But the other thing was I said, Ricky Tims, you aren't going to believe what I'm working on. And I took a picture and I sent it to him on the internet and he looked at it and I said, you know what? I could put this in a quilt show, put guess the name. And if you guessed it right, you win it and it would safely still be my quilt. I'm not going to put a picture of it up on my website because I want to finish it first, but I will share with you my quilt that if I could bet a million dollars, I know I'd be a million dollars richer in the end. <laughs> so I don't have a lot going on this summer. Well, that's not true. We're going to be taping new shows in the end of June, so I'll be going back to La Vida, and I'll be flying around the country with Ricky and Libby at the Super Seminars and going to a family wedding, but it's much more under control. Then next fall, ay 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 we're back at it again. You know, in the quilting industry, truly, the fall and the spring are what I call the high months. It's when things are jamming and you just have to put on your seatbelt and go along with the ride. So if you wonder what a typical day in the life of Alex Anderson is, these last two weeks certainly weren't it, but they were wonderful. And the best part was when I was sitting there and somebody came up and said, you always say this and I never thought it true, but here it is. I'm meeting you face to face. Until we meet and we do get around, happy quilting. For more quilting information and inspiration, please visit us at alexandersonquilts.com.